Is there anything you would have done differently? We reported a true story. Our colleague Brian Williams is back in Kuwait City tonight after a close call on the skies over Iraq. Controversial Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh and questions about Kavanaugh's drinking in the past. Sean Hannity, come on up, Sean Hannity. Today, Andrew Cuomo is having a moment. Hi, I'm Chris Steyerwalt. And I'm Eliana Johnson. And welcome to El Inkstained Recho, where we break down what's going wrong and what's going right with the American news media. What up? Well, I warmed a chair on the commentary podcast yesterday, Chris. Okay. And, who, and who else was that? Was it Abe and Christine? Abe, no. I Christine is off for the summer. Oh, so boy. I warmed Christine's, Christine's chair. But John Pudhoritz uh, made a reference to our podcast and said that I am the curmudgeon and you are the sunshine or something like that. Yeah, I, there, I think there's some truth in that. <laughs> yes. and, and you had big shoes to fill. Christine is the best one. And she's always my favorite on Whoa. that podcast. Yeah, she, she's John. great. Well, John, John is great. I hope, I hope you're not listening, John. John is great. I've, I actually think John is. But so, I do love Christine. I, John is so great that I've, I have considered purchasing. What's the chair called? What chair? They advertise the same chair every week, and it's like the super chair, and it massages your buttocks and make and makes your oh, creative I want this out, chair. makes your creative <laughs> output thirty fold greater. It's like called super chair, or mega chair, or whatever. And he says, "Is it, it like is it like the the my pillow of chairs?" I think it's I think it's a high tech solution, and they have that, and they have the uh, copper my mom. Underwear. By the way, it was so funny. She, you know, my mom's a big Fox News watcher, and she she was like. I stopped at the My Pillow. You know they have like a kiosk at the mall at yeah. the Mall of America. I'm from Minnesota. And my mom's like, I stopped at <laughs> at the My Pillow thing, and she's like, I felt it. It feels like it's filled with cotton balls. It's a ter- it's terrible. I really dislike as a product because somebody <laughs> gave me one as a joke one time before Mike Lindell. She was really this, disappointed. this is back when Mike Lindell was connected to a for hire friendship with one of the the former star of 30 Rock. Do you know that story? No. So Mike Lindell, the head of the Mr. My Pillow, Jane I can't remember her last name, but she she played the female lead on the show within a show on 30 Rock. Did you watch 30 Rock? Oh, yeah, 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 the blonde. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jane Krakowski, but Mike Lindell dated Jane Krakowski, but it was said to be i believe by the new york post a paid relate that there was like a that it was part of like a celebrities who hire themselves out as companions for public so like if you wanted to so eliana i wrote and i wrote recently about when i found out that you can rent a bear for twenty five hundred dollars what yeah you can rent a trained bear for twenty five hundred dollars what is a trained bear like a bear that is doesn't eat people like a bear that you can take places and goes what do you around. mean take places? Well, this is my point. The the opportunities are unlimited. And I thought, like, somebody invites me <clears> to a wedding, I'm coming with a bear. I'm show up with a bear. But it, this was in a, a campaign finance I'm fund. kind of interested in this as a first birthday I wrote, party type I wrote, I wrote a whole thing on this. And because a candidate, a candidate in Florida. What? Yep. A candidate in Florida got an in-kind contribution of $2,500 for bear usage in a commercial. Is this your favorite item of the week? Are no, we that was, like that, that was, that was like two weeks ago. That's awesome. But I'm saying that instead, I'm saying that instead of renting uh, time with a celebrity like Jane Krakowski. Krakowski, Mike Lindell could have rented a bear and he would have made an even bigger splash on the red carpet if he came through 
with a bear instead of the former star of 30 Rock. So anyway, Mike, Mike Lindell, a strange person, a bad pillow. <laughs> Safine. Cotton balls. <laughs> Just cotton balls. take cotton balls. Safine. <laughs> um, okay. Time for our front page. Do it. Above the fold. I just said I was a curmudgeon, but I'm actually starting with, I have been impressed and following the media coverage, attempting to piece together what happened in Uvalde with regard to the delayed, what seems to be the a delayed police response going into this school where we're finding out little by little, and it does seem difficult to piece together because we've gotten a lot of statements from public officials in Texas that then are corrected or wrong, but it seems like there was a delay of between about 60 and 90, 60 to 90 minutes where children, children were calling from inside the classroom. The teachers were calling from inside the classroom and public officials and parents were amassed and waiting outside the school. And I, my reaction was that this is exactly what reporting is supposed to do. It's supposed to hold powerful people to account, bring transparency to events regarding what exactly happened here. And the New York Times this morning, we're recording on Thursday, June 2nd, had a great piece. The headline is that a Uvalde teacher spoke with her husband, a police officer, before she died in the classroom and... A judge speaking to the Times said, she's in the classroom and he's outside. It's terrifying. So her husband, the police officer, was outside the school. She was calling from in the classroom. And the Times says the call was among several new details that have added to and in some some cases significantly altered the shifting portrait of the shooting in Uvalde that has been offered by top officials, including Governor Greg Abbott and the head of the state police, Stephen McCraw. And a door to the school through which the gunman, Salvador Ramos, entered had been closed but not locked as it should have been, a crucial amendment to the official narrative outlined to reporters, grieving families, and viewers of broadcast carried live around the nation from the usually quiet ranching city. The latest detail about the teacher's phone call to her husband is potentially an important one, suggesting that at least one of the officers arriving at the scene had information from inside the classroom that could have informed the decision by the police to delay entry. A question remained as to whether 911 calls from children inside the classrooms starting 30 minutes after the gunman arrived were communicated to the commander at the scene. So they still don't know whether the police officer in charge at the scene was aware of these 911 calls from the children in the classroom. Anyhow, a lot of questions open still about the police response and there is now a Justice Department investigation open into this, but I think all of the reporting has been really good trying I, to piece together what happened here. I think I think the reporting lately has been great. I think the reporting at the beginning was terrible. And what the what we have learned about what happened here and the massive failures and boy does Greg Abbott look like a total just tool here. He really failed. 2017 they they were he put forward all this legislation to fix these, to address school shootings, do all that. Well, it, he, he let it stall in the legislature. He didn't twist arms on it. He didn't make his fellow Republicans pass these things that were supposed to be 
uh, gun control safe and da 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 da. Then he has, and then he, and then it's found out that he stopped off at a fundraiser. Did you see this story? That Greg Abbott popped in at a fundraiser after the shooting to tell the donors at the fundraiser that he couldn't be. He was sorry he couldn't be with him, but he had to go to the shooting. Like he's just really failed in this way. And this reporting has deepened the the, the understanding of how individual failures have consequences in these events. But what, what did all of the original reporting focus on? The original reporting was all guns. the political battle about gun now, control. We, we were at the filibuster in the Senate. Yeah. We were debating, the, the media was debating the filibuster in the Senate before they were like, oh, so nobody went in to kill this guy? No one, no one killed this? In Texas, no one kicked open the door and shot this guy? And that I always tell reporters at Beacon that it is the telling detail that people remember. And we have learned that a mother, one of the mothers of a student in the school was handcuffed, prevented from going in, got out of the handcuffs, jumped the fence, went in, got her kids out of the school all before the police ever entered this school. Yeah. Um, It's like, you know, it's those sorts of details in a story that people will take away and remember. And that is so much more memorable than saying like parents tried to get into the school and were prevented from, uh, you know. my, my, my My greatest mentor, Bob Kelly, who was uh, my editor in West Virginia in two different papers, Bob Kelly, when you had a story like this, he would always say the same three words or four words. Pack it with detail. Pack it with detail. And when you're like, well, I, I, you know, I want to get the narrative here. It's like, no, as you say, what do people want? When you're reading about big news, you want all of that enriching detail, and that's what a good story can do that a bad story can't. I want to point out, so there is a, conflama, a kerfuffle over a threat from police officers at the, guarding the school, America currently America's most famous crime scene, when CNN, a CNN crew rolls up on the police officer, CNN correspondent, and you're going to have to help me with Shimon Prokopez. Shimon Prokopez. I'm CN- sure he'd be proud if I referred to him as a former colleague. He'd Sh- really, really be happy to be associated with me. CNN correspondent Shimon Prokopez. And so he goes up to to brace local cops who are guarding the school, like gets in their face, and then they say they're going to arrest him for trespassing and blah, 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 blah. Authority. Yeah. Okay. Well, just to let you know, you Valley PD's en route. Sure. Once yeah. they get here, well, the thing is, they'll start issuing criminal trespasses for the property. Yeah, they want us to give you guys the, the initial warning. Okay, And then if that. you guys are still present, then they're going to issue criminal trespasses. Because they themselves have asked you all to leave, so. Okay. And it's like, what did you expect this beat cop to say, right? What did you expect this guy who's standing outside the school to say? Well, what you were doing, Shimon Prokopez, was trying to create a moment for television, right? You were at this scene of this horrific crime where all of these children were murdered, and you go up to get in the face of these, to say nothing of, of the blame that this police department may be subject to, this individual cop is not the story, right? And he didn't make the order not to go in. And then you get a badge for, oh, I was threatened. They're threatening me. Can you believe that they're threatening me? I find this performative, not impressive. Big thumbs down. Switching gears here. Once again, I am the ray of sunshine today, Chris. Look at you. Look I know. At you. I know. I know. 
I, I did a podcast with Dana Perino for years. It's like, are you changing before I my can, very eyes? I'm going to be blonde next time next we come week in here. Next week you're going to come back in blonde. Uh, you won't believe it. So I'm offering two did cheers. You ever, did you ever dye your hair? Oh, my gosh. That's a good question. So if my mom is listening, she is going to laugh. When I was in eighth grade, yes. I went to Ocean City, Maryland. Yeah, you did. And I dumped a bottle of sun in in my hair and came back with like it did not turn my hair blonde i have very dark hair it was like orange yeah 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 yeah. and my mom i came back and she's like i sent this beautiful dark haired girl off to the beach and you come back with this cockroach colored (laughs) awful hair what is happening it was atrocious did you get did you get cornrows or braids or anything else i not on that trip but But on a different trip those were also atrocious and then like the scalp in between them is like totally burned burned and and flaking i've learned my lesson Uh, white girls at the beach did you ever dye your hair no i had some bad haircuts i had a i had one where i looked like a mushroom cap that was popular in the 90s for a period of time leaving it long on top cutting it short on the sides i did do that uh r.i.p okay (laughs) so you know you should i hope you're like recording these words on your phone because it's like easier than pulling up this podcast but i have two (laughs) cheers for for a fact checker washington post Glenn Kessler over there giving um, Biden four Pinocchios for, and it's amazing. It's four Pinocchios for a claim. It's not just an off-the-cuff claim, but a claim in a Wall Street Journal op-ed that he published. And Biden's claim is as follows in the op-ed. A dozen CEOs of America's largest utility companies told me earlier this year that my plan would reduce the average family's annual utility bills by $500 and accelerate our transition from energy produced by autocrats. Now, the Washington Post fact checkers say the following. The president wrote in an opinion article on his inflation plan, presumably vetted vetted by staff, yeah, I don't think don't Biden think was Biden like was sitting like, down on, with his laptop, he, like tapping this my, out. Sent from my iPhone, Joe Biden. I just put this yeah. together. <laughs> that utility executives told him, quote, my plan would reduce the average family's annual annual utility bills by $500. But he didn't hear that from utility executives. And the report he is citing is not about household utility bill savings. Oops. Most of the claimed savings comes from the reduced cost of driving, and the estimate is is for 2030, when he would no longer be president, even if he served a second term. Is there any doubt the president earned for Pinocchios, or as we call them at the Washington Free Beacon, for Clintons? Oh. I got to tell you, I'm always leery of praising fact-checking. Fact-checking is is good and important and needs to be done, but all reporting should be fact-checking. Uh, all reporting should be doing that stuff, but, you know, good for you, Glenn Kessler. You got one there. And the headline also, Biden's fantastical claim of $500 in annual utility savings. It's so funny what a, what a White House press operation, and I don't know how, th- who's the who's the comms director now? It's still Kate Bedingfield. So it's still Kate Bedingfield. They just changed the press secretary. Yep. To, uh, I've, I've always liked Karen Jean-Pierre. Uh-huh. But she does need to work on her affect at the podium, I think. Oh my gosh. 
This reminds me of I I I meant to include this in the show and we did the time her response to Biden's her response to questions about Biden's claim that he got a commission to the Naval Academy. Oh, uh, I didn't know any Biden claimed he got a commission to the yeah, Naval in Academy in 1965. Well, we should let's play let's play Biden's claim. Before I began my speech, a thought crossed my mind as I was told the class of 72 is here. I was appointed to the Academy in 1965 by a senator who I was running against in 1972. <laughs> Never planned it that way. I was, wasn't old enough to be sworn in. I was only 29 years old when I was running. He was a fine man. His name was J. Caleb Boggs. I didn't come to the Academy because I wanted to be a football star, and you had a guy named Starback and Bellino here. So I went to Delaware. And then KJP was asked about this in a White House press briefing, and this is what she had to say. He said on Friday uh, during his address at the Naval Academy. The president was born in 1942, graduated from the University of Delaware in 1965. In his address, he said he was appointed to the Naval Academy in 1965. Was he? Was it in 1965? So I'd clarify. Oh, I did not hear that part of the speech, uh, so right I would have to... Okay, I did. I I missed. I no, I hear you. I hear you. I have not. I I need to read it myself and just go back and and see what you're talking about exactly. I I can't speak to it right now. Oh boy, that was not a super. That, that not not a super moment. Now I'm I'm very willing to forgive the fact that Biden is a as a an elderly gentleman that memories get squished up and conflated in your head. And was it 65 or was it 62? Or did I just apply or did I ask for his office? Like, I I tend to be pretty generous about that stuff. But come on, White House, like when the president goes off on a tangent like that, you can't just come back to the, you cannot come back to the Brady briefing room the next day, the next, you know, the next business day and be like, I don't know what you're talking, I didn't see that. Yes, you're supposed to see that. Okay, and can we just fact check Biden's claim? Okay, uh, it is it is amazing. So he says he was appointed to the Naval Academy right. in 1965. Right, it is it is so amazing. So he graduated from the University of Delaware in 1965. So he would not have been getting a commission to the Naval Academy the year that he graduated from somewhere else. So he didn't like pass up the Naval Academy because he wanted to go to college the year that he was graduating. He was already in college. And then he mentions two football players. One of them also graduated in 1965 and the other one graduated in 1961. Well, the Joe Biden got uh, five student draft deferments and one medical exemption from Vietnam. Uh, the both of the candidates for president in uh, 2020 were what people used to call Bill Clinton a draft dodger. Both uh, Donald Trump famously got bone spur <laughs> bone spurs in his heels were his reasons for not going to Southeast Asia to fight against communism. Joe Biden was an athlete. It is true. It is true. But he was an athlete who claimed that he couldn't go to Vietnam because of his asthma. So. OK. Ta. Chris, I see an unexpected item in here. 
There's an unexpected item. What is it? Oh, breaking news. Oh, this is Samantha has plopped this in here for us. A CNN dumps breaking. So this we have breaking news about breaking news. CNN dumps breaking news. Chiron. CNN news. Oh, this is, I should point out, this is from Axios. So be smart. Oh, I ha- Samantha, you know I have to read it with all of the, with, with, all, with all of Axios. Axios's encouragements to consume the news. CNN's new boss, Chris Lick, says that beginning today, this is we're recording this on Thursday, CNN has added, has added a breaking news guideline to its style book to address overuse of the breaking news banner across its network and cable news writ large. Why it matters. Licht and Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav have made it a priority to dial back on partisan programming. Up, 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 details. I'm just going to read you all of the Axios encouragements. Details, the big picture. So it's only three. How am I, How can I be smart? Anyway, I think that... This really reminds me of when I worked for Sean Hannity, There was we had a joke that Greta Van Susteren followed us, and every single night the show started with some breaking news. Uh, it is like a tactic that every cable hour, news uses every hour. because it like draws in viewers. But I, you know what? We're, we're full of praise today. I, every, I'm, I'm into this. Every hour on the app, breaking news. I got in trouble one time. Megan Kelly and I got in trouble, trouble, not real trouble, for breaking down into hysterics when Fox introduced its new breaking news uh, stinger of graphic. And it goes, whoosh, it sounds like an SR-71 yeah, Blackbird like is roaring over the top of your head. <laughs> and then it's like, shaboom, this giant like gonging noise and breaking news. And... It's a joke, right? Because we've watered it's it. It's like down. not a poop cruise, you know? Yeah. It, um, it, no, if everything is breaking news, then nothing is breaking well, news. Well, I like the other Chris, Licht, mm-hmm. says, it certainly will need tweaks, so we're open to feedback, but this is a great starting point to try to make breaking news mean something big is happening. Yeah, and for CNN, this has real cost, right? Because CNN should be or was once scored big when there was breaking news. But over time, they watered down their brand to try to compete with Fox and MSNBC on more partisan programming. So good for them. Okay. What will we do without you, Samantha? Okay. Oh, now here comes it's time okay. to eat, eat dessert. Amber Heard in her wholesome braids and <laughs> Laura Ingalls Wilder style is handed a defeat in her defamation trial with Johnny Depp, $15 million. And, of course, this was all, this whole dust-up was over an op-ed that the ACLU ghost wrote for her in the Washington Post. And so my first question was, if she defamed him, uh, is could the Washington Post now be liable? And I believe the answer is yes, if Johnny Depp chose to sue the Washington Post. But I don't think he's actually interested in that. I don't know. Yeah, of course they could be. How? Because they ran her op-ed. I mean, that gets pretty reachy. She... But I think they could be. Well, if Johnny Depp comes back for another bite at that apple... I, th- I don't think he will, because yeah. I think he just wanted to go after Amber. But, um, but anyhow... The Post has appended an editor's note. Ah. So when you go read the article, it now says, Johnny Depp sued Amber Heard. So the article, sorry, the article, the title is, 
Opinion, Amber Heard, colon, I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath. That has to change. The article now set, or sorry, the, the editor's note now says, Johnny Depp sued Amber Heard for defamation arising out of this 2018 op-ed. On June 1st, 2022, following a trial in Fairfax County, Virginia Circuit Court, a jury found Heard liable on three counts for the following statements, which Depp Depp claimed were false and defamatory. One, I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath. That has to change, i.e. the headline of the article Uh, that the Post wrote. Uh, Two, then two years ago, I became a public figure representing domestic abuse, and I felt the full force of our culture's wrath for women who speak out. And three, I had the rare vantage point of seeing in real time how institutions protect men accused of abuse. The jury separately found that Depp, through his lawyer, Adam Wallman, defamed Heard in one of three counts in her countersuits. So that's so quite an editor's that's note. that's that. Yep. That's quite an editor's note. I want to talk about how dumb people are about anthropomorphizing issues. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard are not typical of anything, right? They're freaks, They're celebrity weirdo, rich people, freaks. And they should be understood as freaks. And uh, they shouldn't be hated or scorned or whatever. They're just a byproduct of a celebrity culture that barfs out a large number of weird people like this. And the way that people made them into avatars, the way that media outlets made them into avatars was super weird. So here's Rolling Stone, and I hate to cite Rolling Stone because it's such a bad joke of a, of, a, of a news outlet. But here's Rolling Stone. Men always win. Survivors sickened by the Amber Heard verdict by E.J. Dixon. Over the past few weeks, Megan, and I assume for her name is being withheld, Megan has been watching the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial with a sinking feeling and goes on to talk about the the all the flashbacks and trauma that has been caused by watching this happen for this for this woman. And I'm sure that that is true because everybody's experience is certainly their own. But think about this line. This is basically the end of Me Too. Dr. Jessica Taylor, a psychologist, forensic psycho- psychology PhD, and the author of two books on misogyny and abuse, delightful, tells Rolling Stone, It's the death of the whole movement. There's no such thing as mutual abuse. You have a primary aggressor and a primary victim, she says. What could be happening is you have a survivor doing what they need to do to defend themselves. But when you have clinicians framing it as mutual abuse, it's very harmful. Now, look, I'm not saying, and you have to watch me here, Eliana, because I could easily get myself into trouble. So I'm I'm going to need your guidance. Okay. Of course you can have mutual abuse, right? And of course, you can have false accusations. And like you can have he, any. Con- the ruling was that she defamed him because what she said was wrong. To call these <laughs> two dinguses suing each other, these millionaire dinguses suing each other, saying that this could represent the end of the Me Too movement or the end of whatever that all things have to believe, that is dumb even for Rolling Stone. I got to tell you, like it's just one celebrity lawsuit. It doesn't have meaning beyond Chris, that. Get over you're, it. you're in a bad place if you. If you're saying I need to watch you and what you say about like you know women's issues and stuff, you are a woman. Careful, you are a Careful. woman, and I, I you're gonna get yourself to some bad I submit, places. I submit myself to your vetting. 
you're going to get to Men some bad always places. Win. Men always win. I, I, I didn't know it, but apparently it's the case. Okay. So I'd miss this, but the computer store owner who had the Hunter Biden laptop that is the, now. The, bl- the blind computer repairman? Yes. John Paul Mac Isaac. Okay. He is suing the Daily Beast, CNN, and Adam Schiff. Okay. For, speaking of defamation, we just have like a bouquet of defamation stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the lead in the New York <laughs> Post here. <laughs> That he, that people started throwing vegetables, eggs, and dog excrement at his store. Well, I didn't realize that he had to close the store. So, speaking of being able to show damages, as a result of the coverage that this was all Russian disinformation and he was a tool of the Kremlin, he had to close his store and he uh, left the East Coast, Delaware, where he was, and moved out to Colorado for a year. So, he's suing. In the wake of his filing this lawsuit, the Daily Beast has issued an apology Mm -hmm. to him. And so they have appended the following correction to their story. It says, an earlier version of this story mistakenly referred to Hunter Biden's laptop as stolen. We have removed that word and we apologize to Mr. Mac Isaac for the error. The editor's note reads. That's nice of them. I don't think that saying that this whole smear on Joe Biden comes from the Kremlin can uh, remind me, did he bring the contents of the laptop to anyone in the news media? No. How did he, how did it get leaked? He gave it to Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah. There's your first mistake. And so... So he did not make himself a public figure. He <clears throat> he he did not go to the press with this. Right. He went with he went to he went to people associated with the political enemy of exactly his, of his customer. Uh, but I wanted to play what Adam Schiff told CNN about him, which will have bearing on the Schiff lawsuit, and just tell our listeners that we'll be following these lawsuits. So here's what Schiff said about this. Well, we know that this whole uh, smear on Joe Biden uh, comes from the Kremlin. Uh, That's been clear for well over a year now that they've been pushing this uh, false narrative about the vice president and his son. I shouldn't say this, but I do like the renewed interest in suing media outlets. I've been sued. My employers have been sued. It's a normal part of life. This is not anything new. But a lot of people are, are trying it out in the courts. And, you know, maybe we'll figure something else out. I don't know. Well, to me, the Daily Beast apology and this lawsuit, I think, is going to draw out, and we'll follow it, how my impression covering Trump was there was so much leeway to get things wrong when it came to basically Trump and Republicans because reporters did not hold each other to account on being careful and getting things right. And this shows how sloppy people were and that really there's no price to pay when you get things wrong relating to Trump and Republicans the same way there is on the other side. And so that's why I'm interested in following this. I think the agonies (laughs) surrounding this laptop and the New York Post story have been very complete. (laughs) There has been a lot. The Washington Post did its mea culpa, its op-ed page, denounced it. People played catch up. I, I... I think this has been a very thoroughly explored, and I understand it, but I also feel like, eh, 
And I predict it will happen all over again. Which? <clears throat> that when it comes to Republicans, Trump, the media will continue to get things wrong. And then after an election or, you know, eight to 10 months to 12 to 24, they'll say, oh, sure, you know, we got it wrong. And the same people who got it wrong will be promoted, elevated, and sure. paid no professional price for having been stupid, sloppy, reckless, or knowingly incorrect. The coverage of the 2008 Democratic presidential primary was among the worst coverage I've ever seen. The homerism for Barack Obama over Hillary Clinton, the trash, the constant trashing of Hillary Clinton, and the just brutality. Like, I got it. I understand why people like the charismatic, young, African-American candidate over Bill Clinton's wife. <laughs> I got like I got it, but it was uh, terrible and unfair and awful. And then after the fact, it was as you say. After the fact, people said, "Oh, that was really kind of unfair, wasn't it? The way that we all got into a hive and got excited about Barack Obama and dumped on Hillary Clinton. It was like, oh well." And who was it that said, Eliana Johnson? Who was it that said? After being cleared of something, this is a famous Washington quote, where do I go to get my reputation back? Oh. It is a famous- I'm Googling it. A guy who had been embroiled in a scandal and, you know, look, as far as this, the the laptop possessed- Reagan's secretary of labor, Ray Donovan. And had been cleared- and then he said, but, you know, where do I go to get my reputation back? And it's true. Once the cover, bad coverage, when it's over, you get the mea culpa. Okay. You- Here's his obit. Okay. He, a construction company executive who resigned as secretary uh, of the U.S. Department of Labor following grand larceny and other charges of which he was later acquitted by a jury, died last week. He was 90. I love how that's like the lead in his obit. I mean, it's Donovan famous- became famous for asking after his acquittal, which office do I go to to get my reputation back? Exactly. And it's it's not fair. It's part it's the 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 part of the story. And you're and you're quite right that of course in general elections Democrats are going to get much more favorable coverage than Republicans are, have tended to get much more favorable coverage than Republicans are. But I don't know in this case. This guy took a customer's laptop content, gave it to Rudy Giuliani to try to harm his customer. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Agree to disagree. (laughs) Um, What do we got next? Well, you know what it is. Don't you want to obsess? Oh, Oh, I'm so obsessed. Okay, up next we have our Obsessions of the Week. Where we break down the stories that we couldn't get out of our heads. I totally have an obsession. All right, so, you know, I used to work at Politico. I I do love them. But I will say my least favorite of the newsletters over there is this Politico Nightly where it's basically like some stupid dumb talking points every night. But I was like appalled when this landed in my inbox. And I think this was Tuesday's Politico Nightly, which was something about Vax Summer. And the lead was that people's attitudes towards vaccines are what have you done for me lately? And the... I just want to read the following. It's easy to get frustrated with the vaccines. They aren't as effective against variants and subvariants that keep taunting us. And then these two sentences like made my head explode. They didn't restore our pre-pandemic normal, 
partly because too many people refused a vaccine, often for ideological reasons, and we keep needing more boosters. Who said that? This is the author of Politico Nightly. And then this is what comes next. But the vaccines are a victim of their own success. We complain about them because we have such high expectations for them because they've worked so well. Mm. I, I mean, they- am totally befuddled by this. No, no. Like, I'm annoyed that the vaccine didn't work well enough and I still got COVID because of it. That's what I'm annoyed about. What is the point of the third? What is the point of Politico Nightly? Is it supposed to be like the counterpoint? It doesn't really have an identity, but it's often it's often health focused. Is it supposed to be sort of the counter, the bookend to their morning note? Yeah, yeah, but it's often health focused with like these totally ideologically driven, you know, you're a bad person if you didn't oh. get vaccinated and that if you didn't, it's for ideological reasons and then you know, vaccines are a victim of their own success. No, they're a victim of that. They weren't as effective as was promised. And the people are still getting COVID even when they're out and that you need to get, you know, a booster every year. And that's not what we were, what we were told from the outset. I mean, I don't even understand this. Well, I don't know. I don't. It's so confused and, you know, utter BS. I don't, I don't know what, what she's talking about. I didn't. I don't feel disillusioned with the vaccines. I, I think the, I'm grateful for the vaccines. It was a miracle. We got them done so fast. Thank God. And it's easy to be dissatisfied with something after it's normal. And it's, you know, we very quickly went from being, my God, can we get some vaccines to, oh, these vaccines. Ugh. So I don't know. I'm, I'm very, I am very, very grateful. Shout out to Pfizer. Th- thanks, guys. Thank you, Big Pharma. For you did it again. Well, I guess you know in Russia they were injecting people with like salt water and telling them good luck. So I don't know, but this seems like a, a pointless note. Is this a point? Is 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 Politico nightly? Is this note necessary? Well, this is worthless. Yeah, and we're not back at our pre-pandemic normal because too many people refuse the vaccine. I mean, give me a break. Well. It would have been great if more people would have died. I, like, I, if you re- refuse the vaccine and you want to die, that's fine, you know? Or, like, if you want to take the risk, that's fine. That's not why we're not back that to is the exa- normal. That's I mean, exactly give me right. a break. We are, we are not back at our pre-pandemic normal because there is no pre-pandemic normal to go back to. Uh, you can only go to the next thing. You can only move on. And the anybody who thought And that, we're not back to the normal because of hysterical people like the person writing this newsletter. Uh, it's ridiculous. Noted. I stipulate for the record. How about this? Or, or have you obsessed sufficiently? I've obsessed. They it, were a victim of their own success. I join mean, me now at me for, at, at Forbes at at Fortune dot com. Exclusive, all caps. Cheryl Sandberg, prompted by Roe v. Wade, says why she decided to step down from Facebook. Oh God! It's like you know what? Just print her press release. Cheryl Sandberg, prompted by Roe v. Wade says why she decided to step down from Facebook after historic tenure. So I'm not making this up that Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg told Fortune. Now, for those of you who do not know, she is the woman who afflicted the world with the book Lean In in 2013 and created a goofball impossible. She, she is to 
careers as Gwyneth Paltrow has been to health and beauty for America's women. You can have it all and you can do it with a $2,000 candle scented like Gwyneth Paltrow's reproductive organs, which is something I am not making up. You can buy a candle that is, is, is thusly scented. So she said this to Fortune. It's not, it's just not a job that leaves room for a lot of stuff in your life. This is a really important moment for women. This is a really important moment for me to be able to do more with my philanthropy, with my foundation. And she goes, I'm really focused on what I'm, do, I'm going to do next philanthropically and that this is a, a part, of, part of her thinking is to help America's women who will be victimized by the Supreme Court. Number one, I think, no. The idea that Sheryl Sandberg, that her departure has to be about women's issues or whatever, it seems to me pretty preposterous instead That's of just- what she would want people to think. Yeah, and by the way- Very on brand, Cheryl. She has been at Facebook since, I <laughs> what year, 20, I forget what year she joined, but basically, I'm sorry, for 14 years. So Cheryl Sandberg, what, what I'm obsessed with though, is not Cheryl Sandberg's self-laudatory explanations for her departure and abortion. But about this, when Sheryl Sandberg came to Facebook in 2014, or 14 years ago, the problem was Facebook was everywhere, but it didn't make any money. It wasn't producing revenue. So she made it produce revenue. You know how she made it produce revenue? She sold advertising and she, she took Facebook from being something that Mark Zuckerberg couldn't turn into something that would make money, and she turned it into basically the old model, right? An advertiser-driven model. And then you know what happened? All of the revenue that local newspapers had been getting through ads on their own stuff was getting sucked up into Facebook. And Facebook, and there was a period of time, do you remember the period of time when about 40% of all news reads were coming through Facebook? So there was a moment, there was like an extinction moment for news. It felt like there was an extinction moment for news. You had to like hack the Facebook algorithm. Right. You had to write your story to try to break the through Facebook. Days. Yeah, the bad old days. So this is like, what, 2014, 15. And people, it was true. It was like Facebook is going to eat all media. And we've got to, and I remember getting a dumb briefing from a dumb consultant who told us one time how, well, you know, this is the future we're all going to live in. So we just better optimize for Facebook and live the Facebook lifestyle. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. And Facebook did not eat the news media. And Facebook has been on the schneid for a long time because, blah, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Other, other than, I suppose, I, I deleted my Facebook account years ago. It's so terrible. But other than, I guess, for folks to be reminded of their friends, grandchildren's birthdays or whatever blah, that is, but Facebook is a bad product <laughs> for me. And the fears of Facebook were so overblown. And Sheryl Sandberg's genius was so overblown. Everything about social media coverage gets overblown, including Elon Musk. It gets overblown because reporters use social media too much and think about it too much. That's all I'm saying. Chris, mm. my favorite time of the week. Heck yeah. Reader mail. Do it. Okay. Amy and Branson both wrote in about the same thing, which is the pronunciation of 
I don't even want to say it. Sawatch? What's the original? It's It looked like Sagoosh. I think I said Sagoosh. That's right. Sagoosh sounds like a more fun name, but what is it? It does. It's a town in Colorado. I think I said Sagoosh. And what's the real pronunciation? Sawatch. Sawatch. Sawatch? I don't know. Hold on. I'm actually going to pull up. Y'all ought to think about changing it email. to Sagoosh. Sawatch. Okay. I will accept it. But you should all think about changing it to Sagoosh because it's it'd be better that way. And we have a lovely note from Andy who says, I have no witty words, just a note of thanks. I have followed Chris on podcasts before and have seen Eliana on TV spots. You make a great pair. Truth. The highest compliment that I offer is that I save your podcast for last when I have total concentration, like dessert after dinner. That's from Andy in Wisconsin. Andy. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. Give me the warm fuzzies. Chris, since I'm such a ray of sunshine, I actually have such a great favorite item. But as always, to say something nice, you're going to lead by example. Well, I can't ever get enough of the great Caitlin Flanagan. She is uh, truly a national treasure. And in her column at The Atlantic, Oh, by the way, a great Atlantic edition also has a wonderful essay from Ben Sass on what to do about higher education. And you are reminded what happens when you combine a McKinsey person, a McKinsey person uh, with a big thinker. It was very good. I recommend it. But anyway, my favorite thing is Caitlin Flanagan and her essay, I'm a coastal grandmother. Stop appropriating our culture. So Caitlin Flanagan, who in a in a panel I did with her described herself as California sober on Twitter. So she's like, do she's trying to stay off Twitter, but whatever. So TikTok has become a new vice for our friend Caitlin. And she found when going on TikTok that young women are appropriating her identity as a the coastal grandmother vibe on TikTok, which I think Samantha described as that you're going to picture Ina Garten with a glass of rosé curled up. Yeah, curled up in the Hamptons at her at her manse. And that's the lifestyle that Caitlin, a Californian, has been living. And now she finds these young women want the benefits of coastal grandmother status without having, as she said, menopause, a divorce, all of the things that you're supposed to go through before she did. And this is just to tell you what a great essay this is. She said, you need to do all that before you do this. By the time you make the big turn to the Jane Goodall-influenced wardrobe, beekeeper's hat, and 200-pound Le Creuset Dutch oven. It's because you've had your fill of other more obvious pleasures. It is hilarious, warm, and lovely, just like her. My favorite item is this Wall Street Journal feature on expats fleeing Saudi Arabia's terrible bosses. And it is like the embodiment of the journalistic maxim to show, don't tell. And it is about this planned city-state in Saudi Arabia called Neom. Oh, boy. And the guy they put in, the guy that MBS put in charge of it, his name's Nadmi Al-Nasser. And talk about the telling details. Basically, Al-Nasser hired all these expats to run this city-state. So here are the best quotes. The education consultant and former lecturer at the University of Cape Town left in May of last year after a year at the project. Quote, 
You are made to feel like you're absolutely worthless, notwithstanding the large amount of money they are paying, he said. In another meeting, Mr. Nasser told one executive to walk into the desert to die ah. so he could urinate on his grave, according to people who would work directly with Mr. Nasser. I drive everybody like a slave, Mr. Nasser said in another meeting, according to a recording heard by the journal. When they drop down dead, I celebrate. That's how I do my projects. <laughs> so is this the beacon? Is this going to become the free beacon? He's a, definitely a man of the year. The, the, definitely a free be- part of the new free beacon employee handbook. There will be uh, some, totally. some key quotes in here from Mr. Nasser totally. about uh, who will pee on your grave, where you should walk, and who will pee on your grave. Uh, totally. <laughs> I love it. I think that is all the time we have left for the news about the news. But if you have a story you want us to talk about, please email us at wretches at nebulouspodcast.com. That's wretches at nebulouspodcast.com. This has been Ink Stained Wretches from Nebulous Media. Find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Wretches. 